Thank you for joining us this morning. Our event on the 20th, and I've, I know you've been talk, hearing me talk about it for the last couple of weeks, it'll be held at a private auto collection warehouse. It's near 22nd and Kino. You will need a ticket to get in, and if you're thinking of going, please go to the website, our website, lawmatters1030.org, and buy your ticket early. There's only a limited amount of uh, tickets available. This event will help us keep our mission open, and we support you. Your support with us, it really helps. So it makes a difference. So on the phone right now, we have um, Brooke Brennan with the FBI. She has an announcement to make. Brooke, how are you doing? Hi, Sherry. Good. How are you doing? Thanks for having us on this morning. Yeah. Tell us what's going on. Oh, uh, well, we just wanted to call in um, with, you know, the holiday season coming up and more people shopping online and continuing to avoid the stores this year. We really want to educate and warn the public about some holiday scams that are out there because they come in all shapes and sizes and you may not know you're involved in one until after you've given up all your information. Yeah, that's that's a tricky thing. What kind of uh, websites are we thinking about? What what are they doing? Well, I don't have specific websites, but just some scams in particular. Um, a big one in Arizona is non-payment and non-delivery scams. So basically, you know, a buyer will pay for a good or service that they find online, but then never actually receives that good or service. Or conversely, a non-payment scam involves goods or service that, services that were being shipped, but then the seller is never paid. In 2020, actually, this was the fourth biggest scam in Arizona, costing consumers just less than $4 million. Oh, wow. Yeah, another one that um, obviously is big this time of year, just any kind of online shopping. Ultimately, we like to say if a deal looks too good to be true, it probably is. You know, you're not going to score that name brand product that's usually a couple hundred bucks for, you know, less than a hundred dollars. Usually that's too good to be true and you're not actually getting what you're seeing online. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Um, and then also obviously social media scams, you're scrolling through your feeds or, and just looking around and you see something you like, just make sure the website's actually reliable and, do your due diligence, you know, review some of the, see, look at some of the reviews, kind of check it out, maybe even call the main line to make sure it's a legitimate website because those social media scams are everywhere too right now. Yeah, I've gotten a couple of invoices and it'll say invoice and you owe this much money for a purchase that, you know, like an iPhone or something and it'll give a phone number. When I called the phone number, they were asking me for all my information, my banking, my everything. And when they started questioning me about that stuff, I realized this is a scam. So I called, you know, Verizon and said, hey, <laughs> are you selling somebody a phone under my credit card? And they said no. So, you know, when yeah. you get invoices, that's a scam too. And I also got a, a, a notice saying that I had uh, my Norton security system was going to be up for renewal. The first notice I got was for a little under $400. And two days later, they sent me another notice for over $500. So they, you know, they think you're going to pay it because that's Norton. You're going to pay it. Well, you know, I didn't right. pay it, but I did check my bank account to make sure they didn't pay it too. So you really check your bank account every day, every day. Yes, absolutely. That's actually one of our biggest tips. Um, you know, before you even start online, we suggest, you know, going through all your financial accounts, making some strong passwords, and, you know, try and use a different password for each account as well. And then, yeah, check your accounts every day, maybe even set up transaction alerts. And it's important to even keep checking after the holiday season because yes. fraudulent charges can show up, you know, weeks later. Yes. So it's really important to just, you know, constantly be checking and making sure that your bank account is, where it's supposed to be. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Thank you for this this uh, heads up because I know even charities, a lot of people will, you know, take advantage of a bad situation and create a bogus charity and say, oh, all your money is going to this, you know, event or whatever. And, it's, and it isn't. So be careful. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Scammers will take advantage in any way they can, even by using your kindness <laughs> to get the money that 
they don't necessarily deserve. So, yes, absolutely. Just be on the lookout this holiday season and, you know, stay aware, check everything. Just do your due diligence and research-wise. Perfect. Okay, (laughs) I appreciate you calling in this morning. Of course. You have a good weekend. Thank you, you, Sherry. Take care. Okay, in the studio, we have Captain Joshua Wilhelm, the commander of the 8th District Department of Public Safety. And thank you for being here. Oh, thank you. Tell us a little bit about you, what got you in law enforcement. All right, so I've been with the Department of Public Safety or uh, Arizona State Troopers for eighteen, a little over 18 years. You know, uh, growing up, I always uh, supported the law enforcement. Uh, we actually had a... Uh, school resource officer in my high school and I would always talk to him and just enjoyed the communications he's had we had with him and as I went through college I went on a ride along with a Colorado State Trooper I was living in Colorado at the time and I came home that evening and told my mom yep I know what I'm doing uh and from that moment on i followed law enforcement uh, and took the journey to Arizona actually instead of Colorado and have been here almost 19 years. So when you apply to be a state trooper, you have to go through an academy. How long is the academy? So currently our academy is roughly 30 weeks. Really? Yes, ma'am. Wow. That's a lot. It is. That's that's more than push-ups and and running a mile. Yes, ma'am. So there's a lot of uh, law and legal uh, a lot of classroom, a lot of college uh, classes that are jammed up into uh, short blocks. There's a lot of uh, self-defense, um, a lot of uh, firearms, a lot of driving, a lot of... Uh, the driving classes are awesome. Yeah, so that's probably the <laughs> the most enjoyable part. Uh, I'm actually a tactical driving instructor for the state as well. Oh, so you have more fun than the rest? Absolutely. <laughs> That is probably the the best. But yeah, so we put the, our uh, cadets through a lot of uh, military type uh, academy training. And so we're doing a lot of push-ups, a lot of running, a lot of a lot of physical fitness, but they're also going through a lot of the academics, the uh, defensive tactics, just dealing with uh, mental health issues, different types of uh, training, the criminal law, traffic law. So it takes 30 weeks to get them through that. And then they have to take a post-test, an Arizona post-test. And if they pass that, then they become certified uh, as a police officer in the state of Arizona. And then they go out onto actual field training, which is training out on the road with a certified field training instructor. So they're 30 weeks in the academy, but then they still have to go out and do another 12 weeks with a uh, senior trooper in the car with them to make sure that they're okay to what they learned in the academy they can apply to the streets so that's almost a whole year of training yes yes, huge do um when you were in college what did you study so it's funny i was actually going to become a wildlife biologist Uh, i actually wanted to be a game warden that's a 180 (laughs) well so you have the law enforcement side of um the game warden is what i wanted i wanted to be a game warden up in colorado Uh, i'm a big outdoors person. I love hunting. I love fishing. And so that's the journey I was heading. Uh, and then I started talking to the game warden. I worked with them on summer internships. And like I said, but then I went over to just the regular law enforcement side. And yeah, I was hooked after that first night. And I love waking up every day, going out and serving the citizens of Arizona. It's a Protecting great job. People, Absolutely. It is. Do you guys have an internship for students we don't have an internship however uh, a lot of us commanders and stuff will help individuals that want to come in we do have uh, an explorer program we also have a uh, academy a summer academy that is sponsored by multiple law enforcement agencies that younger uh, kids can go to for i think it's about two weeks or a week long or two weeks long for teenagers for teenagers that can enjoy it um enjoy and kind of learn a little bit about law enforcement um, but a lot of agencies have the Explorer program where they get to learn more about the uh, law enforcement agency. We also do a lot of ride-alongs, and we're public is open to do ride-alongs with us at any time. They just come in and fill out an application, and then they get to go out and ride with a trooper during their shift, and they get to really learn what we do every day. Do you let people ride along with the K-9 unit? Yes. You do? Yes. Cool. 
Do you have a Citizens Academy? So we've participated in Citizens Academies. It uh, depends on the locations, but we normally work together with other law enforcement agencies to put on Citizens Academies. So you're like a speaker at the Citizens Academy, maybe? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, we will go and do presentations. I've done different presentations depending on what work group I'm currently assigned to. And so we try to go out there and answer as many questions as possible. We also go out and do any public speaking, uh, go to a lot of schools, go to uh, different events just to let people know what we do. And if they have questions, we're always there to answer. You said that, you know, in in the 30 weeks, you're learning a lot of law. You guys cover a lot of jurisdictions and there's a lot of different laws regarding these different jurisdictions because it varies. How does, how do you handle that when a classroom setting? Because you're going from Pima County to Pinal County to Cochise County, you're all over the place and there's different laws in each one of them. How do you sort that out in your head? So actually there's really just the title 28 and title 13. So title 13 is criminal law for the state of Arizona. So no matter what County you're in, you're still under that same criminal law. It's just some procedures might be a little bit different on booking or arresting an individual, but really the basis of the law is the same um, because it's under the Title 13. So it's an ARS statute, Arizona Revised Statute, and that law, it pertains to all counties. There's just a little bit different jurisdictional um, issues we deal with at jails and stuff like that for as a state troopers, because yeah, it's a different procedure to book people into different type into different jails, but really the laws are very, very similar, um, or they're exactly the same across the board in the state of Arizona, except for maybe you have your city codes and stuff like that, that we have to deal with once in a while. So can you get transferred to a different state because you're a state trooper? No. So <laughs> we, we cannot, so you are an Arizona state trooper. So we have jurisdiction in the state of Arizona. Um, if I want to go work for Texas or New Mexico, I actually have to physically apply with them. And that's like going to a new job. It's like going from home Depot to Lowe's. You, you have to apply, but in the state of Arizona, if say tomorrow I go, you know what? And I'm just a regular trooper and I want to go work Kingman area. I can put in a transfer and I just get transferred up there. I don't have to change uh, companies or jobs because the state of uh, state troopers cover the whole state of Arizona. We just have different districts throughout the state. So do they have lateral moves if you want to move to Texas or do you have to go through 30 weeks of academy again and then 12 weeks of, you know, being assigned a trainer? It depends. So some states allow uh, lateral applications like Arizona, uh, people from out of state that are already a certified police officer in that state can come into Arizona and get hired with us. And then they can, what we call they challenge the post test. And what they'll do is they actually go through and as long as they can pass all the post requirements, which is the Arizona peace officer standard training. I was going to say, tell people what post means. Yeah. Arizona, <laughs> Arizona police officer standard training. If they can pass all those certifications and those standards, then they can come into our lateral and they only go through roughly about a 10 week um, academy with our troopers just to learn the way we do business, the way we uh, do traffic investigations, commercial vehicle enforcement, stuff like that. Compared to another state. Any yeah, other state. absolutely. And they have to kind of learn, learn our laws too, because each state has different laws, each state, different aspects of each law as well. So. Okay. When you, I see sometimes I'll be on the highway, not often, but sometimes in, I'll see uh, semi-trucks pulled over. Other than speeding, for what reasons would you pull over a semi-truck? Bad tires, maybe? So there's a lot of reasons to pull over uh, semi-commercial vehicles. We actually have a commercial vehicle unit that that's what they focus on. Uh, If you see them out there, they have a black uniform on and they have the same patches, the same badge that I wear every day. It's just a black uniform and there are commercial vehicle inspectors. And what those guys do is they go out there and they're looking for the safety issues. They're looking for the fatigue drivers. They're looking for all those issues to make the uh, streets safe and the roadways safe. Uh, Commercial vehicles have a lot of different federal regulations that they're required to follow. And those inspectors are uh, certified what we call level one certifications through the federal government. And they're able to enforce those federal uh, regulations on those drivers and on those commercial vehicles. Oh, so that's a whole nother level of the state trooper. 
Yeah, that's so that's they, a, do they have to take special classes to do the federal part of it? Yes, yeah, so they you actually have to go through uh, two, three weeks of different training uh, to pass uh, federal motor carrier courses, which is to get certified to be a level one inspector. So yeah, that takes an additional training for those individuals. And then they are required to keep up a certain number of uh, commercial vehicle inspections every year to keep that certification. So you say level one, how many levels are there? Uh, I, I know there's a level one, which is a full inspection of the commercial vehicle to include any of the mechanics of the vehicle. Level three is what a lot of our troopers are, which are level three is being able to, uh, uh, inspect the paperwork, the log books that the commercial vehicle drivers are required to have and that stuff. So they, and make sure that their bill of ladens, which is their, their, their shipping, cargo. Do- yeah, their shipping documents, they're required to have certain documents. And as a level three inspector, you're able to inspect that and make sure that that's all legitimate as the driver goes down the road. What happens if, if you've got a bill of lading in the back of the truck, usually it's sealed. Mm-hmm. What happens if they find it and it's not sealed? So there's different ways that uh, the inspectors look at it is we carry our own seals. So if they need to check for load securement or are able to um, inspect the load, they if the seal's not there, they'll document it. If the seal is there, they will act. They can actually break the seal. And then on the bill laden, they actually write their name and then they put a new seal on it after they've inspected the load so that it shows for the destination that, hey, this load was opened up but it was opened up by law enforcement does the what does the seal look like does it have the state trooper seal on it it says law enforcement so it has depending on what the seals are but it normally says arizona state troopers or arizona higher patrol and then it'll have a number on it and those inspectors will actually write that number on the paperwork as well so that they can uh, match it up so in case somebody breaks it and puts a different seal on it Absolutely, because there is yeah. some cargo that uh, the manufacturers and stuff do not want opened up. And so if we open it up, we need to make sure that we show that, hey, we opened it, but we put the seal back on with this seal and the seal on the truck match on the trailer matches what's on the paperwork. So it wasn't the truck driver doing stuff. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So have you ever caught a, a truckload of people in the back of a semi truck? I personally have not. However, yes, our department has. And what happens then? So at that point in time, we uh, normally call out uh, Border Patrol uh, for the immigration side because they'll come out and they'll actually look at uh, the individuals and stuff like that. But we got to make sure that they're safe and especially out here in the Arizona heat that it's so hot in those backs of those trailers, it's very unsafe. So we want to make sure that they're uh, medically cleared and they're okay. Very cool. Let's talk about a little bit because I've it's been in the news lately. Let's talk a little bit about road rage. We had a, a fatal situation, what was it, last week or the week before, involving road rage right here on I-10. Is it a, a common thing? Is it becoming more common? What What's the story with road rage? Unfortunately, it is. Uh, that's the sad part is we do see a lot more road rage coming through. Um, we get a lot more road rage calls on a daily basis, and it's, it's unfortunate. Um, once the uh, COVID restrictions lifted and a lot more people got back out driving again. Seems like people are not as patient on the road and people are more impatient and they just uh, get furious with other drivers. And so, yeah, we see that a lot out there. And unfortunately, it seems like it's just continuing to get more and more. What are the signs of road rage? What what constitutes um, road rage? If, you know, somebody drives by you and something I experience a lot, people will flip you off. <laughs> you know, if you're doing the speed limit, you know, you're in trouble. What constitutes road rage? So that's where it starts. Um, it So it's funny, road rage normally just starts with maybe somebody not seeing somebody in a blind spot and moves over and cuts them off accidentally. Or somebody maybe purposely cuts somebody off or hits their brakes because the person's following too close. Or something like that. It starts with something very similar like that or somebody just driving really fast and then somebody else giving them a reaction. And then when you give that person the reaction, then they react to that reaction. And all you're doing is you're just stepping up and building and building and building. And it becomes where sometimes it gets all the way up to, I mean, physical altercations. Um, Unfortunately, we 
we hope that most people just have calmer heads and just, hey, sorry, I, I sorry I cut you off, and then just back off or exit and let that person keep going. Try to separate yourself from that incident. That's the best way to get away from it, is don't continue. Antagonize yeah, it. Don't antagonize it. Don't keep pushing the issue with that person because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if they have a weapon, and most people in Arizona do. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going to happen. Absolutely. And, there's so many cases that you see. I mean, even on the surface streets in town, you'll see people antagonizing each other and trying to cut each other off deliberately, yelling obscenities. It's ugly. <laughs> it is. And un- unfortunately, in today's world, it's. I hate to see it. I mean, we got to show each other more love instead of having everybody just uh, get, up, get upset at each other. Yeah. Settle down. Take a breath. <laughs> yes, ma'am. So... Okay, I know you guys are trained in a lot of different arenas. And when I say that, I'm I'm talking about drug trafficking, sex trafficking, uh, holiday, you know, spotting a a driver who's maybe been on the road too long. You know, they're a little weary and not driving straight. What are there certain classes that you take annually? Do you have to be certified annually or is it a one time deal? How, how do you do continuing ed or do you? So we do a lot of continuing education. Our department does a, a great job with the training. We continue to always put out uh, advanced um, impairment driving uh, driver's training to uh, investigate impairment. We also do a lot of uh, sex trafficking cases where we put on the training for the interdiction of protected children. We're looking for the, uh, those key little little features. We do also put on a lot of uh, drug interdiction training for our troopers and other agencies. So that's one thing with uh, the state troopers is we're able to put on a lot of training to, for our guys. And we make sure that they have the best tools in their vehicles at all times. And if somebody needs some training, we're always looking for ways to get that person to the training to, to build them up, to get them comfortable with their skills so that when they're out there, they're able to do their job at the best ability. Okay. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to delve into these different topics and hear more about it. Deputy Chuk here with Pima County Search and Rescue. If you're thinking of a trek through nature, plan ahead, look ahead, and use your head. Your future depends on it. Law Matters was created to open the lines of communication between law enforcement and you. 1030 in police code means excessive use or unauthorized use of the radio, something we do with each podcast posted to iTunes and Google Play. Hi, this is Rich Tracy inviting you to join our conversation and asking you to support our mission. Please go to lawmatters1030.org to contribute. No amount is too small. Hi, this is Sherry asking you to tune in to Law Matters Live Show every Saturday morning at 8. On our next show, Department of Homeland Security, Captain Michael Lepman will update us on cybersecurity issues we need to be aware of. Please support our unique fundraising event on the 20th of November at Wayne's Toys. Tickets are only $40. For more information and tickets, go to lawmatters1030.org. Law Matters podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and lawmatters1030.org. Daylight is fading and the temperature is dropping. You are not only cold, hungry, and lost in a densely wooded area, you're injured. Time is of the essence. Sarsi is a highly trained team of dedicated volunteers who work closely with Pima County Search and Rescue to help people in critical situations just like this. To join an exclusive team of heroes, go to sarsi.org. That's S-A-R-C-I dot org. We need your knowledge, experience, and of course, your generous spirit. Saving lives means staying informed. Knowing the dangers of using counterfeit prescription pills can help those you care about and keep our community safe. As a parent, educator, neighbor, or friend, we all play a role in building safe and healthy futures for ourselves and our loved ones. Do your part. Take the first step today. Visit GetSmartAboutDrugs.com to access education, prevention, and treatment resources. Counterfeit prescription pills laced with fentanyl are deadly. Be their protector. Be informed. Visit GetSmartAboutDrugs.com. Thanks for staying with us. Our guest today is Captain Joshua Wilhelm, the commander of the 8th District Department of Public Safety, and he's a state trooper. Just to verify with people, Department of Public Safety is state troopers. Yes, ma'am. We're just a division of the Department of Public Safety. There you go. What does the rest of the division do? 
So we have another division that's the criminal investigation division. So there are detectives that are running around doing uh, different investigative cases that supports our agent, our troopers, and also supports other agencies as well. Okay, I want to talk about that in a little while, but um, first, let's talk about the training for recognizing sex trafficking, or you know, how do how do you determine what's going on with the situation when you pull somebody over, or see something that's going on what makes a state trooper go oh this is a questionable event so it's a lot of people ask us that and i'll tell you it, it takes a lot of experience it takes a lot of training it talks takes a lot of just being out there and learning what the norm is uh we stop thousands of cars a year and i was one of them <laughs> <laughs> So we stop a lot of them every year and you learn how what just a person that's maybe just committing a civil violation and you get to talking to them. Big thing is just sitting there talking to them on the side of the road and learning. You get to learn observing. and picking, yeah, observing and picking up on just small things. And as you start to learn your job and you go, okay, well, this is not normal. This there's something. And you just start looking into it. Maybe they're just nervous because, oh man, this is the first time ever getting stopped by law enforcement or, oh man, this is going to be the first time they're getting a ticket. But then also there's times that, okay, there's something more to it. And it just takes that a little bit of extra communication. And then that trooper asking just questions, just making sure everybody's okay. And Sometimes they are and sometimes, okay, you, you know what, we need to look into this a little bit further. And that's where we're able to identify some of those uh, young adults, children that are being forced to uh, travel across state lines uh, for sexual activity. Yeah, it's kind of a gut intuition in some cases. And I think more people need to pay attention to their gut intuition. When something seems wrong, it's wrong. You should report it. Absolutely. And Everybody talks about that spidey sense, your hair standing back, standing up on the back of your neck. Uh, that's 100% true in law enforcement. I mean, it's happened to me multiple times and you're just like, okay, you know what? I need to take a step back. I need to make sure that uh, I do a thorough investigation here, a thorough, just find out what what's going on before I let that vehicle go down the road. I know you guys do um, drug trafficking. You stop a lot of vehicles. Probably the first person on the scene when you're pulling somebody over and there's, you know, a truckload of drugs. What kind of training do you go through for that and what do you do when you find it? So that's, there's a lot of different training out there uh, for that and we, we put on different uh, interdiction training courses throughout uh, our agency and other agencies do that as well. And yeah, when we find that load of dope on the side of the road, that's when we call in our uh, criminal investigators and they come in and assist us with the actual investigation of that uh, traffic stop. And when the last time you guys were on the show, one of the people is now a detective. So is, is he a detective just in your jurisdiction or does he cross jurisdictions? So that individual is still a detective here in the Tucson area. Uh, he works any type of our investigations that need the assistance. He's able to travel throughout. I mean, our jurisdiction pretty much is the state of Arizona. So that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. So our detectives are able to go and assist some of these smaller agencies that don't have the investigators that uh, we have or the manpower that we have. And they're able to go through and work with other agencies within the state. However, our detectives still work with guys across the country because crimes that happen here in Arizona might not just be tied to here in Arizona. They might be tied to Colorado, New York, Pennsylvania, any state. And we're able to contact those agencies and work together on the state side and then also on the federal side uh, to fully uh, work at that investigation. You know, I didn't realize until a couple of weeks ago the Amtrak situation where they don't really have any security with these people getting on Amtrak. They're, they've got guns, they've got dope, they've, you know, drugs, and they can go anywhere in the country on Amtrak. Absolutely. I was just like, oh, wow, what, what's the matter with Amtrak? Why isn't their security system more stringent, allowing, like, the airport? You can't just do that on an airplane. So why isn't their security system a little uh, more intense? I'm sure there's been, there's questions about that. I personally don't know because we don't deal with Amtrak uh, regulations or any of the enforcement on Amtrak uh, without, because that's not in our jurisdiction. But yeah, I'm sure that those questions are being asked. 
No, but you know, the fact that you guys can work with different agencies and do work with different agencies, you know, follow the drugs, follow the money. You know, and there it goes cross country on, on the train. Let's talk a little bit about, do you have drag racing on I-10? Do you ever see that? We do have that a little bit. Yes. It's uh, more prevalent on the streets, the city streets. Yeah, on unfortunately. Uh, unfortunately, because there is less traffic and they can kind of shut down a road, it's a little harder for them to shut down a freeway and try to do that. But they still try, and we're still out there trying to block that. Trying to stop them. Do they get arrested for drag racing, or do they get a ticket for speeding? No, so it depends on the code, and it depends on what their actual actions are. But, yes, there are different codes and different laws that are for uh, racing and then just not speed and or reckless driving stuff like that so there is different charges we can charge depending on what circumstances are in front of us at that point in time you just made me think of something when when there was uh, civil unrest all over the place do you guys get involved at all with the the riots i'm going to call them riots uh when there's protests yes we actually were involved very heavily in uh the uh civil unrest in Phoenix and in Tucson that were happening last year during the summertime. I was deployed to Phoenix for 21 straight days and wow. uh, worked every single day dealing with that. So yes, we work with our local jurisdictions and making sure that uh, the groups aren't coming onto the freeway, making sure that the public is safe and the protesters are safe because we got to make sure everybody stays safe. Yeah, you can protest peacefully, but not... And that's something I, I didn't know if that was an issue where they were protesting, but they shut down the freeway? In other states, yes. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. that is that a crime where protesters shut down the freeway? Yes, it is. So did they go to jail, do you think? Or, you know, did they just say, go home and stop doing that? I, you know, you I, can't know. Speak, I can't speak for those <laughs> other agencies, but I know in the state of Arizona, pedestrians on the freeway and blocking the freeway is against the law. So you'll go to jail or you just get a ticket? For Depend, depending <laughs> on what the what uh, they're doing. What they're doing and how it, yes. But you will be, I mean, most of the time you will be taken to jail for that. Okay. How about, I've seen bicycles on the freeway. Mm-hmm. Like I was, got, I, mean, I was going through Marana on I-10 and there was a bicycle on, on the side of the road. Guys pedaling his bike down the road. And I'm like, not only did I think it was not safe, but... What are you doing? <laughs> I, so, I, I asked the allowed? same question. Well, so in certain areas of the state of Arizona on the interstates, yes, pedestrians and bicycles are allowed. However, in a lot of your metropolitan areas, if there is a frontage road or a uh, road that parallels the interstate, then pedestrians and bicyclists are not allowed on the freeway. They are required to take those roads. Most of the time when you get on the interstate, there are signs that will say if uh, pedestrians or bicyclists are prohibited. As you get further out into the rural areas of Arizona where there is no roadway except for the interstate for miles and miles, then yes, bicyclists and stuff are prohib- are allowed to be on that road as long as they're on the shoulder, on the emergency shoulder uh, traveling because that's the only way to get to point A from point B out there. But if there is a road that parallels that freeway, that's where the bicyclists and pedestrians should be. Okay, so as you enter on the entrance ramp, if it says no bikes allowed or no pedestrians allowed, don't do that. Yes, ma'am. Okay, the safety corridor. There's a sign that says, this is a safety corridor. And I'm like, okay, here's a stretch of road that's a safety corridor. The rest of the state can go to pot? What, what the heck is so that it so the safety corridors are just an area that have been identified as a, a heavy uh, collision areas or just have uh, a lot of safety issues. And so we try to make sure that the people understand um, to pay attention and we try to be in there to enforce uh, traffic a little bit more. It's just a heavy traffic area that we've seen a high issue in calls for service. Do you think it's the way the road was built? No, I think it's probably the volume of traffic because there is a safety corridor between Phoenix and Tucson. And, I know, that's the one I saw. And that's a two-lane highway that eventually, hopefully, will be a three-lane highway at one point in time. But you just see the amount of volume of traffic that f- travels through there. I mean, it's always very, very heavy. It's really close to where the rest area is. Yes, do you ma'am. think that has something to do with it? No, it's really more of just 
the 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 actual roadway and how much traffic is traveling between those between Castle Grand and Phoenix right there. And there's a camera. What is that camera there for? What? The cameras that are, uh, which cameras are you talking about? The one by the safety corridor, and it's on the left side of, I think it's on the left side of the street as you're going towards Phoenix. Is it the one that's by the, uh, the by the rest areas? Yes. Okay, so those are, uh, they normally are set up for the commercial vehicle enforcement. ADOT handles those cameras. What are they for? So they normally, <laughs> my understanding is they're used for, uh, they read certain things on the commercial vehicles and the commercial commercial vehicles will actually have to enter the rest area and get inspected by uh, the Arizona Department of Transportation commercial vehicle unit that is there to do inspections. Oh, okay. All right. I thought they, I always wave. I thought they were <laughs> taking my picture. Hi. So wrong way drivers. Holidays are coming. Let's talk about long trips, going to grandma's house, you know, it's only a 12-hour drive. I can do that. Tell us about people in the holiday driving and fatigue driving. So we are entering probably the busiest time for travel in the in the country, uh, especially the Wednesday before Thanksgiving is the heaviest travel day uh, in the United States every year. And so what drivers should expect is just more traffic. So they should prepare for more time on the road. You're also going through different climates, so you need to be prepared for cold weather, warm weather, um, and just have your vehicles prepared. Have your vehicles inspected, your tires. Make sure that they're up to speed before you take that long trip. The day before you travel, make sure you get the good good night's sleep uh, because I don't want those fatigue drivers out there that get halfway into their trip and then start to get a little tired because then that's a possibility of causing a collision or... Uh, rolling their vehicle or doing something and getting hurt. So we want everybody to get to their destinations in a safe manner. So give that extra time for that holiday travel. Make sure your vehicle's ready to go and make sure you have plenty of rest. If you are tired, get off the road, go to the bathroom, go to the gas station, get some food, walk around. Just make sure that you just stay out of that um, real fatigued uh, area where you're just falling, trying almost falling asleep while you're driving because that's very unsafe. Yeah, and people don't realize sometimes they could be in a situation where, you know, they're just like in the zone. Yeah. And you don't realize you're in the zone, <laughs> but you're you're tired and it can cause a collision. Absolutely. And that's what uh, we'll be out in force uh, through the holidays, just trying to make sure that everybody is driving safely and getting to their destinations because that's our number one goal is to make sure that people get to their destinations safely. And I've, I've talked to people and said, oh, got to work this morning. I don't even remember driving down the road. That's scary. That's scary. Absolutely. And, you know, you're too tired. You hung over from the night before, maybe don't go to a party the night before you're going to take a long trip because mm -hmm. it's going to have an effect, huge effect. What about wrong way drivers? I know there's, there's people sometimes impaired and they start going the wrong way on the highway. Yeah. That, you know, unfortunately that is, something we see far too many. Uh, one wrong way driver uh, and wrong way collision is too many for us. Uh, that is something that we take very seriously and we're out there as soon as a wrong way collision or a wrong way uh, driver report comes out, we have troopers responding from all locations to try to find that vehicle. And sometimes those vehicles are able to write themselves. Uh, sometimes it's somebody that's just not familiar with the interstate system or uh, somebody that's struggling with their driving skills and they realize, oh no, I'm going wrong way and they turn around and they continue. But then there's also the ones that are impaired or having a medical issue or anything like that, that get in that lane. So the biggest advice is when you're driving at night and you're out there driving and that number one lane or the far left lane, stay out of that lane because that's mostly where the wrong way drivers are going to be because they feel like they're on the right side of the road Correct. traveling. So our biggest advice is stay out of that number, that far left lane. Don't travel in that lane when there's not very much traffic out there because that's going to be the lane that that uh, wrong way driver goes down. Also report those. If you see him, report him, call 911, let us know. We'll get troopers out there. We'll get them rolling. And our goal is to stop that wrong way driver take care of that situation before it causes any um, 
causes a collision or hurts somebody, some innocent third party. The, um, I've always said, why don't they put those spikes like they do in parking lots? You go the wrong way in a parking lot, they have those spikes that'll flatten your tires. They should have those on the entrance ramp at the, you know, so people can't just drive down or the exit ramp, excuse me. So people can't just drive down there and go the wrong way. Yeah, you know, I, I know there's a lot of different companies trying to come up with ideas because wrong way driving is not something that's new. It's something that's been around. Uh, it's getting reported more with all the uh, people with having cameras and having the cell phones and everything else. So that's a lot easier to report. But uh, I'm sure there's companies out there trying to figure out what would be the best way. And I know ADOT in the state of Arizona uh, takes it very serious and they're working to try to figure out what's the best way we can do this to eliminate these wrong way drivers flatten their tires you know <laughs> i just i wish everybody would use uh use a, a ride share program when they're drinking yeah. and drive don't drink and drive uh, exactly i mean if you had a drink and just call that uber it's not worth it no it's not worth it because it can cost you thousands and thousands of dollars and if you have to go to jail it could cost you your job well that's you know and that's the that's the least of your worries. I mean, you could potentially kill somebody or kill yourself or your family member in that vehicle. Yeah. I don't want that to ever happen to anybody. So, I mean, yeah, I get that Uber, especially around this holiday season. We're going to see more of the Christmas parties and different parties going on. Don't drink and drive. Don't get behind that wheel. And you know, there's a lot of organizations that will offer free rides home. Absolutely. If you're impaired, you know, there's in... We'll announce it here when they, they send us the info, but there's a lot of organizations say, hey, we'd rather drive you home and know that you're safe than have you cause an accident or kill somebody. So listen for those, those, and we're not telling people not to celebrate. We're just saying do it safely. Responsibly. Yes, absolutely. So I want to talk a little bit about canines. I know you were a canine handler. So if you want to be a canine handler with state troopers, what do you have to do? So you have to at first be an exceptional canine, uh, regular state trooper. You've got to go above and beyond when you become a state trooper. You've got to be out there working and you've also got to show the passion and the will and the drive and also the knowledge that you can go out there and find the drugs. The canine is a tool that helps, uh, troopers find the dope the dog doesn't tell us what cars to stop the dog doesn't tell us they don't point no i wish they point you know i wish they would because that would make it a lot easier a lot easier my dog told me to do a lot of other things but it never told me to do that <laughs> so you just have to show the drive and then you have to go through a lot of the training and just be that right fit for that dog it's they always say that your dog takes the personality of you and so you just have to have that perfect team and it's it's a pretty it's probably the best job in the department. I I love being a canine handler. I I mean that's still a passion of mine, and it's it's a, just a great 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 job. So you have to go through how many weeks of training? So with the dog, uh, you go through ten weeks of training to get certified as a team. Now are you still working your regular job and going through training as well, or is the training your job? The training is our job at that time because it is forty hours plus a week, wow. and then they and then you go through weekly training every week, and then you also have to do yearly recertifications. So our canine program is required to go through a lot of different training, and it's great because I mean we have some amazing dogs, amazing canine teams, but you have to continue to do continuous training, continuing certifying every year and everything else. Did you guys compete in Scottsdale when they had the uh, competitions, canine competitions? Yes, we always have a couple teams that compete in that uh, Scottsdale. How'd you do? You know, a couple <laughs> years we've won first in a couple of the uh, different uh, categories. I don't remember exactly what we did this last year, but we've always been very competitive. It's a fun time to get out there and show um, what our canines can do. It's great for the public to go out and just see how much passion these guys have with these dogs. Uh, everybody always says the canines are just happy. If you watch them out there working, they're not working. They're actually having fun. They're playing. They're playing. <laughs> um, my canine always hated it when we didn't go to work. Yeah. I mean... I've heard that so many times. Is You get in your car without the dog, and the dog's looking at you like, what I do? Absolutely. My dog would know as soon as I walked outside uh, when I was in uniform, 
she'd I'd open the the kennel and she'd run straight to my uh, vehicle and just sit and wait for me to open that door. That was her goal. The whole life was I want to go work and have fun. It's a game to them and it's fun to them. They're some of the best treated dogs. I mean, we have a great time. We have a passion for those dogs. It's, I mean, they're our partner every day. Yeah. They stay with you at home, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. It's not somebody that's sitting in a kennel and you go pick them up when you get to the office. And each canine is attached to that trooper. It's not somebody that shares the dog. Oh, no. You are certified as a team. So you, that dog is your responsibility and your partner. Let's talk a little bit about distractive driving. I know the laws finally got passed and they're finally allowed to give real tickets. Somebody's playing with their cell phone or their laptop or putting on makeup or eating sandwiches and they're driving, you know, mock speed down the highway. What do you do? Well, one thing is that is extremely <laughs> unsafe. But yeah, if we see that, we're stopping them and uh, there's more than likely they're probably getting some type of citation for uh, distracted driving. And the the amount of money that that ticket can cost varies from area to area? Yeah, just because uh, depending on the court fees uh, and the different jurisdictions of the justice courts in different counties. But yeah, it's not cheap and it's not worth it. It's not worth it, especially if you're going to cause an accident. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's the thing is, is uh, Arizona does have the hands-free uh, driving law, so you can't be on your phone. You can use a Bluetooth system to w- talk to your phone, but you can't physically have that in your hand and messing with it while you're driving. And so many cars are outfitted now with the Bluetooth capabilities, so there's really no excuse to be sitting there w- with your one hand on your telephone and the other one on the wheel, because whatever you're talking about is going to distract you from what's happening in front of you. Yes, Absolutely. So- so, you know, you want to use your head when using your phone and they can always tell when you're on the phone. Yeah. And the conversation or that text can wait. That can wait until you come to a stoplight or go get gas or get off the, the roadway. You come to a stop somewhere that can always, um, that, that conversation can always wait. And if, if you have to respond to a text, pull off the road. Pull off the road for a few seconds, answer your text or do your email, whatever you're going to do, then continue driving. Well, yeah, we don't want the people to pull off on the emergency shoulder <laughs> because that is what that emergency shoulder is used for is for an emergency purposes run. <laughs> like, like if we can get to uh, pull them off, yeah, get off the, the highway, stop at a gas station, send an email, or if you need to make a phone call, stop at a rest area, something like just try not to use your phone while you're driving because that's the biggest thing is, is we want you to be focused on the road. There's so much technology out there now that, and it's our minds are going and we're multitasking all the time now. Just try to do one less thing. Well, yeah, exactly. Let me ask you about mental health. We only have like a few minutes left in the show, but I want to understand I, that mental health seems to be a big topic these days. Are the officers, the troopers, trained in recognizing if somebody has a mental health issue going on? Yes. So we uh, try to give our troopers different types of training, going through different types of courses to recognize that. And we also have a lot of resources that we can get those people the help that they need. Um, if, and so there's a lot of different resources that we provide with, especially with the counties, the local uh, jurisdictions, that they have their different programs. And we try to make sure that if we recognize that and we're having issues, we need to make sure that we get that person that help they need. So you say you have resources like in different areas, like you would bring them to Tucson and send them to the mental health hospital? So it depends on if uh, that might be a possibility. It might be just some counseling. So each county has the nonprofits and different organizations that are they're out there to help. And so depending on where you're at, you kind of go with those resources, but you can always make a phone call to try to get somebody to be there to help you. Because like I said, it just depends on what they need at the time. Some people don't need the mental health hospital. They just need somebody to talk to. Yes. And sometimes, And you know what? Sometimes that's the trooper on the side of the road. I've, I've spent day, uh, a lot of time on the road where after I'm writing the tickets, that person just needed somebody to talk to. Yeah. And you know what? We're human too. And so I just take that extra 10 minutes or that extra 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it is. 
and just talk to that person and let them know that, hey, we're here and and maybe make that difference in that person's life. And to calm them down and talk them down out of uh, being upset about whatever they're upset about or their mental situation. I've seen you guys, it was raining. There was a young mother, a baby on each hip. She's on the side of the road and there's a state trooper changing her tire for her. And I thought, hats off to you guys. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what? And as a commander, that makes me happy to see my troopers out there because, you know, a lot of people don't get to see those little things. And we do. And when people mention that, that's awesome because we're humans out there and we just want to make sure that everybody's okay. Yeah, I, I think you're probably one of the most polite organizations out there. I, I've been pulled over a few times and the guys are always so polite. It's just like, I feel so bad I upset you. I mean, this is so polite to me. You're so nice. Well, so our, go our, ahead and give me the ticket. I don't care. <laughs> our motto is courteous vigilance. And really? Yes, ma'am. Okay. And that's something that we strive to, to do every day. I mean, that's on our patrol cars. And we have to be respectful to the people out there. We serve the state of Arizona and the motoring public that passes through it. And I, I expect my troopers to be out there uh, enforcing the laws. And if you do something wrong... Be, be ready to accept the consequences, but also be courteous vigilance during doing that. Be professional. Uh, we're a professional entity and we will make sure that our troopers stay professional. But yes, if somebody breaks the law, we will enforce the law. In a very polite way. And I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. I, <laughs> I want to know a little bit if, if you were going to give advice to somebody who's trying to decide what do I want to do with my life? What career do I want to go into? What advice would you give somebody? Coming into law enforcement? Or Any, if they don't know what kind of career they want to consider, what would you tell them to do? So what I did, follow your heart. I was, everybody says that police officers are something that is just in you. Um, I didn't have any family members that were police officers, uh, immediate family members that were police officers before I became law enforcement. But you know, it was something that there was the passion there. There's the passion to help people. There's the passion to make sure that the bad guys go to jail, mm -hmm. but also be out there to help and to be a role model for those, for the young kids. And so follow your dreams, follow your passions. Um, go, don't be afraid to get out of, out of your comfort zone and go try something new. And like I said, if law enforcement is the, is what you're thinking about, Get a hold of your local agency. Heck, come down to 6401 South Tucson Boulevard. That's my headquarters here in Tucson. If you, uh, if I'm there most of the time, uh, Monday through Friday. If you want to come in and chat, you're more than welcome to come to my office and sit down and chat about law enforcement and about a career in law enforcement. I'm all, My door's open. I know I have troopers down there that their door's open. They'll get you in a uh, ride along. Come right along and see what we do. And you know what? If, if the cons uh, public wants to just come down and talk about their concerns or anything, we're there as well. You know, it's it's a fine line. And I think people don't realize just how much you guys do. And you're not out there just giving tickets. You're out there really serving the community in a very respectful way. And I, I want to say thank you for your service. Thank you. Because your, your whole organization, they're amazing. And I hope some people who are listening are going, what is their jurisdiction? They learned something today because you cover a wide area. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, state of Arizona. So you, the borders of the state of Arizona, that's where we're at. So we're able to force, enforce the laws anywhere in that state of Arizona. Okay. Don't forget about our, our uh, event we're having. Go on lawmatters1030.org and buy your ticket. And until next week, shop local, stay safe, and stay safe on the road. And we'll talk to you later.